Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Please welcome Drew Barrymore. And uh, I love our in-studio audience so much. Guess what? Today, we want to give you cash. Um, um, we're going to do this thing we like to do called pop quiz, but we're going to spin it on its head. Okay? At the end of the show, for every answer that you get right, you get 10 extra seconds, 30 total, if you get all three questions right, in our brand new money booth. There's $10,000 in there. Um, so I highly suggest whoever goes in there goes like a rabid squirrel. Like, just go for it and grab that cash, okay? So. Um, it's just fun. Um, but first, I would love to get to some headlines. So let's hit the desk. Drew's news, the good news feast so big, you might need to unbutton your news pants. <laughs> and we have got wow. the most epic desk guest today. He's the captain of his own news ship every night on CNN, the award-winning journalist with the best giggle on TV, Anderson <laughs> Cooper! <laughs> I was just watching you the other night, just by your conversation with William Shatner. I was beyond titillated, 90 years old, and he's, like, incredible. He's so quick and sharp and funny and sarcastic, and, and he's up in space. Oh, well, I mean, listen, I would be remiss not to also introduce my trustiest news co-pilot in the business. It's Rosie Rose Matthews! Well, hi, everybody. Anderson Cooper is here. Ross, did you ever think we would... I've been a long-time fan of Ross Matthews. Oh. I think I reached out to you like a long time ago just to praise you. Well, I'll never forget it, Anderson Cooper. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> I, I actually met you for the first time at the 2004 Republican convention. I was covering it for The Tonight Show, and I was like, I have to meet Anderson Cooper, so I just looked for a little white head. I just looked for you, looked for you. Yeah, I do stand out. You yeah, do. Yeah. And then I saw you, and I tapped you on your shoulder, and you turned around, and you said, Ross, Ross. And I was like, I need a diaper. <laughs> it was a, it, I just couldn't believe Anderson Cooper knew who I was. I love I would now be able to change that diaper. Oh, you congratulations! Congratulations! Eighteen months old. Eighteen months old. Yes. And we just had Halloween. Did why yep. did why dress up? So yeah, he did. I actually brought up a picture. He, a friend of mine, Chip Kid, gave <gasps> me. I know it's a weird oh, picture. Let me gosh. just quickly explain. Chip Kidd, who did the book jacket for my, for my book, he's an amazing designer, he uh, has a, an incredible Batman collection, 
And his mom in the 60s made him that Batman cape. That one. That one. And wow. ga- and so Chip gave me the cape that he had as a kid and one of those vintage Batman masks from when I was a kid. And my son is obsessed with cleaning products. I was going to say, I see yeah. a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, the stain removal right. fanatic in he me sees a vacuum. It doesn't actually vacuum. It just makes the sound of a vacuum. Oh. And it is the greatest gift he has ever received in his life. Can I just throw this out there? They should make it vacuum, because while you're doing it, might as well <laughs> clean yes, up a little. I learned to take care of myself at a very early age. Right. It did. Yeah. yeah. It set me up well. Um, well, speaking of staying up late hours, parenting, mm. how are you sleeping, by the way? I, this is embarrassing. Uh, from the beginning, my son has slept like 12 to 13 hours a night. Like straight through. Yeah. Good karma. I know. That's I know. good karma. I know. I know. Well, um, should we do some headlines? Sure. Okay. Here we go. I mean, I watch you every night talk about the most real stuff on the planet. So um, here we go. It's about to get real right here. Oh, it's about to get so real because the material girl, uh-huh, Madonna. She still likes to burn that midnight oil. Rolling Stone reports that Madonna loves to stay up late. Her bedtime these days is 4 a.m. Wow. And she is using some of that time to work on the script for her upcoming biopic. Um, first of all, I, literally, this, this, this makes me cagey even talking about a 4 a.m. <laughs> bedtime. 4 a.m. seems late. Yeah, that does not seem, I mean, I, yeah. Well, I, I, at that point, what's the point in going to bed? I think you just yeah. sort of just go through the next day. So yeah. you love Madonna, right? I am a big Madonna fan, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, and I'm looking forward to whatever her biopic turns out to be. And stuff, But I think she should get some more sleep. I think I'm worried about that. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. oh, look at you guys together. Look, there's look at that's you and that's Madonna right there. Yes. What does Madonna say to you? Yeah, Anderson what Cooper? is she saying to you right now? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, you don't remember? I don't I, she was saying very important things at the time. I, I don't recall. <laughs> uh, the, my most embarrassing Madonna moment was I went to see her at the Barclays Center and she they pulled me up on stage to dance and I do not dance in public. It was the most embarrassing <laughs> Moment of oh, my life. Oh God, I, I got to get footage of that. A badge. There's like 15,000 of the videos online because it's a Barclays Center. It's quite large. Yeah. A lot of people have cameras. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, turn, breaking news. We're not as cool as Madonna. <laughs> okay, get some rest, girl. All right, next up, <laughs> dating app Tinder's doing something a little interesting. Refinery29 reports they've launched the Plus One Hub, where you can find a date for your next wedding if you're single. Go to what? plus one. Yeah, a survey found 60% of people are more likely to go to a wedding if they have a plus one. What? I, this I don't understand at all. First of all, when I heard this, I thought it meant a plus one, like it was like couples looking for a plus one for a. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? That's why I assume. Do you know what that's called if you're a couple looking for a third? A thruple. A Maybe I, I, we're yeah. a thruple. Oh. <laughs> Tune in uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, We're a new thruple. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Would you yeah. ever do a plus one? Uh, to a I, wedding? Yeah. Well, I don't understand. First of all, why would any plus one who doesn't know the wedding, why would they want to go to somebody stranger's wedding? I, some other stranger who they just met online. I would totally go to a wedding with a stranger. Why? Fascinating. Would anyone want me to go to a wedding with them? I would go in a heartbeat. But we know you. I know why they would want to go with you because you're fun and you would be fantastic as a date, but like. I agree. And you put out, but. uh, (laughs) I I have no idea. But I mean, I've just heard. 
I'm just saying what I've heard. It's true, Ron. You're a good time gal. And that's a guarantee. I mean, that's whatever it says about Ross Matthews, just, you know, if you want to know the truth. But... Used it's, to be. That's what Madonna told and, me. And I said, Cooper, stop it. Oh, my God. Ross is actually turning red. Stop it. <laughs> I'm an engaged man. Don't talk about it like uh, that. I can't do it. Well... Oh, my God. I just got invited to Ross's wedding. I know. I'm so excited. Do you want to come? You should, should, uh, <laughs> Understood. Understood. I'll be your plus one. You can, you, can just, you can just send a gift. <laughs> All right. Here's the next story. Uh, this comes from Martha Stewart. Living, a new study by the American Psychological Association finds that people actually enjoy deeper conversations with strangers more than simple small talk. But psychologists say that we lean into chit-chat because we underestimate how much others are actually interested in us, and we overestimate how awkward it would be. Hmm. I'm not sure I believe that, but do you like deep talk with strangers? Yeah, uh-huh. I'd like to say hello to Ellen, who I met at Macy's this weekend. <laughs> we had a, it's not a joke. Hi, Ellen. We had this deep conversation that she's worked there for 39 years, and her ex-husband, and this and that, and I found myself having a deep conversation with a stranger, and when my fiancé walked up, he goes... It's been 20 minutes. And the point was is that I just found her fascinating. Mm. Now, I haven't talked that long to any of my friends in years, but there was just something about a stranger, and I could confide in her. I, I kind of get it. My dad was that way, and my mom told me the story that one time, she, this, this was in the 70s, she called him up on the phone at his office to try to get in touch with him, and the, the line was busy for, for hours. Finally, she got through, and she was like, who are you talking to? And he goes, oh, it was a wrong number. And it was just some random wrong number that he had engaged in conversation. Isn't that and they ended up having a three-hour conversation. Yeah. What oh, is I that? I love yeah. that. I, I, yeah, that's not me. I, I, I would not. I, <laughs> no? no. I'm, a, I'm a reclusive, so I, I'm painfully awkward and shy. So any conversation with me is relatively awkward. And yet, <laughs> you are so curious. Yes. Well, yeah, but that's, that's work and that's, you know, I'm interested in things. I'm interested in talking to people uh, and it's easier for me to ask questions to people. And I like engaging with people and learning about them. But personal interaction on a daily basis, it, it like takes a lot out of me. Like I, after this, I will need to decompress for a little while. <laughs> really? Nothing personal, but uh, just me. It's just me. Do you hear that, Drew? We broke him. Yes. <laughs> He's going to need a nap and a bottle. I know. He's going to have to get in bed Thank God quiet. my thruple will take care of him. <laughs> I once read this passage in a book, and it changed my life forever. I was 14 years old. It's called Desiderata. Um, and it just had this passage that said, listen to people, for they have their story, too. Mm. That was it. That was all I needed to it's read really... to become a curious, open-minded, better listener. My mama had a, a saying, which was from a, a Scottish philosopher named uh, McLaren, who said, uh, be kind because everybody you meet is fighting a great battle. <gasps> and I think that's so important. And let's just be kind to each other a little bit. Hmm. That's it. I'm so glad. Well, this is a perfect segue into continuing this conversation um, because... I feel like the Vanderbelts and the Barrymores need to uh, come to the forefront and have a little seance. We'll be right back. <laughs> With the one, the only, my nightly knight, Anderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You know, I said that I wanted to sort of summon the Vanderbelts and the Barrymores uh, to this conversation. I, I think... On my side, they're probably drinking somewhere, so I don't know that that... <laughs> oh, well, then, they're probably <laughs> oh, in good company. <laughs> okay. I am from a long line of alcoholics. Okay. Um, and hedonists and creatives and brilliant people that I love, and I feel their blood running through my veins. Mm. I feel a, a responsibility for it. But when I was a kid, you know, I grew up with a single mom in a very... Uh, economically challenged environment. Mm. And I, I always felt a little shy about, I, I wanted to talk about what it was like to really grow up mm -hmm. in a single mom, economically challenged way. And I felt like I didn't have the liberty because people just assumed right. that my life was different because of my last name. Which is it's so interesting because uh, my mom was Gloria Vanderbilt and I grew up very happy that my last name was not Vanderbilt. And because I think if you have a last name that is a big name, like Barrymore, especially in the industry you were in, that you were put into as a child, yep. you walk into a door and there's assumptions that are automatically made in your yes. case. And you said, and I saw that very early on in, you know, in my own life, because when I was a kid, people didn't know who my mom was. I was a Cooper and nobody cared and, you know, people treated me normally. And then when they would find out who my mom was, there was always kind of a subtle shift, sometimes not so subtle, sometimes subtle. I, I worked as a waiter uh, in, when I was like in high school. And I remember I worked at this restaurant that I was underage, so I got a job because my mom knew the guy who owned the place. And I used to eat lunch there with her. And when I, would, when I was there as a waiter, I was serving people who I had eaten lunch with with my mom, but they didn't recognize me when I was their waiter because they didn't even look at the waiter. And it was, it was the greatest education to see, okay, when I'm sitting at the table with her, this is, they see me in one way. They don't even see me when I'm not there with her and, and they don't think they have to pay attention to me. And so to me, that was a, such a big, obvious wake up and, and clear sign that, you know, no, for me, the idea very early on was implanted that no good could come from you know, being associated with the Vanderbilts, the history of the Vanderbilts was very fraught for my mom. To me, they were like ghosts uh, from a past I really didn't want to know about. Um, and I chose to have my story be my dad's story, which was growing up poor on a farm in Mississippi. And I thought as a young kid, I looked at my mom's side of the family, my dad's side, and I thought, you know what? I'm going with the Mississippi side because that is, I want that to be my American story more than the history of the Vanderbilts. When you see your documentary, when you're here to talk about this book, the amount of chapters mm. in your and your mother's and her family's life is... It's crazy. It's that of movies and novels. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't seem real. There are just layers and layers and layers. Yeah. It's like an American crown on Netflix. I mean, it's, it's just nuts how many characters there are and um, dramas and people who are larger than life. And, uh, you know, it's this incredible f story of this guy who, in the late 1800s, made the largest fortune the world had ever seen at the time. More was, than, like, the Treasury. Yeah, he had more money than the U.S. Treasury at the time. He had one out of every $20 in circulation belonged to him. Um, so... It was, and when that is a family member, yeah. that's going to color the way people... Yeah, and, and he, you, he had though. a pathological interest in making money, and he made a, this fortune, and, you know, that infected the, pre, the next generation, the subsequent generations. And I think it infected a lot of them in a negative way in that they didn't really work, they didn't have to work, they just pursued their interests and pleasures and boats and stuff like that. Um, 
And by the time, you know, I was grown, I was a teenager and, uh, you know, that money was all gone. And, and yes. I was very, you know, my parents informed me very early on that there's not some pot of gold waiting for you. There's no trust. Uh, you know, you're going to get your college paid for it and then you'll make your own way. And I thought that was the way it should be. But um, I was very happy to know as a little kid, I, I would have to make my own way. And, and I think it, it certainly, I don't think I would have been able to work as hard as I have if I didn't think that. Do you remember, was there a spark? Was there something that happened in your life that was the catapult? You know, I think anytime, I, I think for anybody in, you know, here watching who lost a parent early on or lost, experienced loss early on, it, that for me was a huge turning point. My dad died when I was 10. My brother died by suicide when I was 21. He was 23. Um, and that, you know, seeing uh, it changed the trajectory of my life and it changed the way I viewed the world and it changed what I was interested in and what I was concerned about. And, you know, like you, I wanted to work from uh, I wanted to work from a very young age to earn my own money and to, you know, prepare a, a future for myself. And um, yeah, which is why having a child for me has been such an incredible thing. It's something I never really dreamed I'd be able to do. Did you question whether you'd be a parent? Ultimately? I did. Yeah. I mean, I because I, my mom and I were very similar. My mom had this relentless drive to she had had a lot of traumatic experiences as a child uh, and she developed this this kind of a relentless ability to push forward in spite of, you know, my brother died in front of her. Um, you know, she experienced a lot of traumatic things as, as a child being taken away by the courts from her own mother. Um, and that, relent, that, that drive is an amazing thing in terms of trying to achieve stuff, but it also doesn't make necessarily for stability or a, a stable kind of home life. And I was worried about what kind of a parent I would be, would I, you know, would I be more like my dad, would I be more like my mom? And, you know, it, it took me a long time. I, that's why I had a child very late in life, because I thought I don't want to repeat the same, you know, patterns that I grew up with. It's a, a real privilege also, um, I found, if you get to, there's no wrong way to do it. If you do it early, you get to have more life on the other side. Mm -hmm. If you do it a little later in life, you have a lot more wisdom and patience, but it's just so win-win. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I, I think I definitely, you know, I, I did not want to have a child when I was still kind of trying to figure out myself. And, and now I feel like, you know, I'm 54. Like, if I don't know myself now, it's a little... You know, and damn, you look good. <laughs> God, have you ever not been hot? <laughs> Anderson Cooper, be sure to pick up a copy of Vanderbilt, The Rise and Fall of an American Dynasty. And I can't recommend more. One of my favorite documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Nothing left unsaid. Anderson Cooper, Appreciate you literally are my nightly night. It is such an <laughs> honor to do this with it's you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Drew Barrymore Show podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.